Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. I want good things for you. I want God's goodness just all over your life. I want things to shift from wherever they are to better for you. And so I'm going to start by blessing you. I'm going to speak a blessing over you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I bless you. I bless you that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit today. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need today, whatever help from God you need immediately. I bless you to be able to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and joy and love and peace, whatever's going on. I bless you with that in the name of Jesus. May it be. Amen. All right. It's new series time. I'm not sure if you have been tracking what we do here at Real Church. If you're visiting new, I'll just give you the, I'll just give you the, the behind the scenes. Peel back the curtains for a second here. We always end our services with the last verse of the Bible. And during that prayer at the very end, we, we end with the words, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all God's people. Amen. That's how the Bible ends. That's how we end our services. Right after share time, we begin our services with the first verse of the Bible, which is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We start with the first verse, we end with the last verse, we talk about stuff in between. Ba- basically, is, is, is what we're, we're doing around here. But when we start the, the church with those words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, that, that, uh, we believe that sets up the context for all that follows, all that we're going to be talking about, and our understanding of, of the reality that we live in. And when we declare those, it's like we are declaring, putting a stake in the ground. It, it's like we are, we are making a culturally defying statement that's very different from what we've been taught in schools and what we've been taught in our education system. All along we've been taught a version of reality uh, answering the question, how do we get to here? How do we get this? How do we get plants and people and, and, and how do we get the planets and other planets and, and light? And how, do we, how do we get here? Well, we're, we declare at the beginning of each service, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You're aware that other people might declare, in the beginning, uh, well, we don't know exactly what happened, but, but something has happened, and over the last 13.8 billion years, we've gotten here. Praise, I don't know who we praise, I guess, at that point. Uh, praise chance, I guess, or something like that. That, that would be, that would be the, the thing that we've, we've been taught, and we've taught, been taught about this planet, the planet Earth, that it's about 4.543 billion years. Thank you for making that easy to remember. 4.543 billion, billion years old, and we've been taught things like, hey, this rock is 1.5 million or billion years, and this fossil is 65. 
five million years old, and, and, and we've, we've just been uh, taught the way to interpret what is and what we see through this uh, ancient, uh, this old, old lens of things. It's been so pervasive in our lives now that a massive percentage of educated, Western, Bible-believing Christians understandably, understandably have come to believe or wonder at least if science has proven the Bible, and especially those first chapters in the Bible, has it proven it to be wrong as written? Has it proven, has, has science proven the early chapters of the Bible to be untrue as written? And, and I understand that. I understand that, that, that wrestle. I've lived through that. I'm sure you've lived through that. And, and intellectual integrity is really important to us. We're, we're not wanting to just shut off our brains, but, but we've, we've had to wrestle over time with, this, with the testimony of the Bible and the testimony that we keep um, studying when it comes to science. Now, I love science. I'm a huge fan of science. And over the course of this series, what we're going to do is we're going to science. <laughs> no, we're going we're to look at the Bible, and we're going to see what does the Bible say, and then we're going to look at a different field of science each week, such as geology, rocks, uh, biology, Life, chronology, the science behind time, astrology, astronomy, totally different. And we're going to look at we're going to look at things like you know DNA and microbiology and and carbon dating and radio dating, not dating dating because that's just too confusing. But the other stuff is easier to understand. And, and we're gonna we're gonna look at physics and we're gonna talk about the question: How can we see things that are billions of light years away? out there in, in space. We're going we're to talk about the, the science of all, all this, and we're going to try and figure out, does the science, do the facts of science prove the Bible can't be true as written? Or what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that, that terror? Now, before we dive into it all, I, I've discovered that something is very important to this church. If you're new here visiting, I, I, I need to do something right now that if I don't do this, I'm going to hear about it forever. I'm going, to, I'm going to drop a map on the screen for us. I know maps are very important to us. Maps are important to us. So here's your map for this study. You are here. You're, you're here, okay? We, we've dropped a map on there. <clears throat> I don't know how this makes you feel, but it makes me feel a bit small. Uh, it, it actually makes all of humanity seem rather small. Uh, Almost like it's not about me, <laughs> or maybe, maybe it's not about us even, like, like maybe this is about someone else, or, 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 or something different. Psalm 19 begins with the words, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. In Colossians chapter 1, we read this about Jesus, it says, for everything was created by him, Jesus. In heaven and on earth, the, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus for Jesus. They've been created for him. 
Everything is about Jesus, says the Bible. Everything is for Jesus. I believe that as we go through this study, looking through the fields of science and and looking at at the Bible, as we look at astronomy, as we look at microbiology, we are going to be looking at things that will reveal the greatness of Jesus, the greatness of the God of the Bible, his brilliance, his beyond full understanding, and we will be captivated by how spectacular our God is and how wonderful his word is. We're going to start, though, in this process with an honest look at what the Bible says. In fact, that is going to be our theme, intellectual honesty, through this whole time. We're we're not going to wiggle things here and there. It's intellectual honesty. What does, with all intellectual honesty, the Bible say happen? What is the claim of the Bible in the beginning? What is the straightforward testimony of the Bible? Well, for that, you would read something like Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. In Hebrews eleven three, we read, By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what, was, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. That's, that's the claim. Thing, that what is seen was made by invisible, specifically the invisible God. The straightforward testimony of the Bible is God existed he spoke and everything was made. It was made by Jesus and for Jesus. What else is, what else is the straightforward testimony of the Bible say? <clears throat> well, Genesis 1. Genesis 1, this is what the Bible says. It says this. <clears throat> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. There was an evening. And there was a morning. One day. Day one. One day. And it's just going to keep going and describing the creation. And just looking at the picture here just to, to make it go quicker. Day one, uh, light and darkness. Day two, water is separated. Heavens above, uh, water's above, water's below. Sky in the middle, in expanse. Day three, uh, dry land appears. Day four, sun, moon, and stars appear. Day five, birds of the air and fish of the sea Day six, all of the land animals and people, I particularly am amused by this one, dropping some dinosaurs in that picture, just pushing buttons, you know, just for funny. We'll get back to that later. Yeah, and then on the day seven, God rested. He rested from all his work. The straightforward testimony of the Bible is that God created everything in six days. Straightforward, and I'll come back to that in a moment. Some people, they look at the early chapters of Genesis, and they say that there's two different creation accounts, two separate creation accounts in chapter 1 and chapter 2. That is not true. Just look at it a little bit closer. But let me just show you where, where you're going to look. And you're going to look at chapter 2, starting in verse 4 and 5 on this one. And it's, chapter, verse, chapter 2, verse 4 says, These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation. That's a, a summary statement looking back at what we've just read. These are the records. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven. These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation. 
And then we're going to zoom in. At the time that the Lord made the earth and the heavens, we're, now, we're, now we're, going, we're going to look at this. Like, just zoom in a little bit more. No shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not made it rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground. Now, again, just as a side note, according to the Bible, God did not make trees adult. He didn't make trees, big, big trees. It seems like when he created them, there were seeds in the ground that hadn't yet sprouted yet. Uh, just throwing that out there uh, as just the claim of the Bible here. Um, but anyways, the, the, the testimony of the Bible is God created everything in six days. Okay, that, that's with the intellectual honesty, we were like, we're being honest with that, that's what it says. Okay. How long ago does the Bible say that this was created? Well, here's a chart here. In the Bible, we have a very specific, unbroken timeline from Solomon back to Adam. And when you add all that up, it places creation, the creation of the earth in the year 404 B.C. Or if you want to be more specific, the week of 18th, 19th, 20th, 20th the week of the 18th of October, 20, or, uh, yeah, 404 B.C., which is... 6,026 years ago, 6,026 years ago, meaning that according to the straightforward testimony of the Bible, 6,027 years ago, there was God the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and that's it. I would love to know what you're thinking right now. I, you know, just, just that, I, that idea, because this claim, right, the claim that the Bible is making, you know, with, there's some wiggle in here, but not, not anything of significance. The, the claim that the Bible is making that, that somewhere around 6,026 years ago or, or so, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. Before that, 6,027 years ago, there was nothing other than, I mean, God himself. It just, it just seems so impossible, Right? Based on, based on what, what we've been taught all our lives. And, and you might be thinking, yourself, man, science has proven this to be a joke, right? Science has proven this to be a Science has proven that this, this actually can't be true. That this, what the, what the actual Bible is claiming, we, we feel like science has pretty much proven that there's no way it can be true. How could any thinking person with any intellectual integrity or honesty at all uh, look, at, look at what the Bible is saying and Compare it to science and think that this is, that they can be true here. That's what we're going to look about in this, look at this series. We're going to be diving into this, into this moment. And I, and I know that you can feel the doubt in your mind, 6,026 years ago, God created, okay, I know you can feel that wrestle. Since the Enlightenment, Christians have struggled with this in every generation. They've, they've struggled with this thing. How do we reconcile what we're learning about science and what we're seeing in the Bible? How do we deal with this conflict? And so most, 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 most educated Western Christians have developed an intellectual merging view of sorts. Some way to try and merge the, the, the science in the Bible so that they, they fit together. And again, this is totally understandable, right? Because we, we don't want to turn off our brains when we're looking at the Bible, we, we, we wanna, but we want to honor the Bible and we want to honor uh, what is, what's true. If it's true, it's true, right, uh, when it comes to science. And so, so they, they develop these intellectual merging views. 
And again, it, it makes sense to us. It may, we all understand why. Uh, and people will ask themselves over the years, do we need to let science be science and the Bible be Bible? Do we just not think about them in the same sentences? Or do we need to take the Bible by faith and abandon our minds? Or do we reject science for the sake of our faith and just kind of like just stop studying science? Or do we reject the early chapters of the Bible because of science? Uh, you, can, you can imagine. I mean, I'm sure you've had a string of these thoughts in, in your mind over the years. Or maybe uh, many say, like, maybe there's a middle way. Maybe there's a way we can get them to, to work together. Maybe we can understand or adjust our understanding of the Bible so that it fits better with science. With, with just a few things, maybe we can tweak our understanding of the Bible so that it, it works with this idea of the earth being 4.543 billion years old and the, and the universe being 13.8 billion years old or so. Maybe there's a middle way. And again, we crave, rightly so, what is true. We crave intellectual integrity. We, we crave honesty. And we, we understand that, that, that battle there. And there's basically been three different things that uh, Jesus-loving, Bible-caring-about Christians have done to try and make these things merge together. The first thing that, that some people have done, and I, I will say straight out, there's large portions in this church that hold each of these views. Like, like I, we, they, I, I don't know what all the views are, but I know that, understandably so, that what we're going to talk about, people in this room, lots of people in this room hold each of these views. First of all, one, first view that some people hold in trying to merge these, these ideas of science and, and uh, the Bible together is that the creation story is not technically true as written. And that could look in one of two ways. One, uh, it's kind of a myth history. It, it helps us understand the, our connection with God and the story of God, but it's, it's not history. They might even say it's not intended to be history, but that, they're just saying, like, but it's, it's, it's kind of a myth history. Okay, that's what some will do. Um, others uh, will say, okay, this, the story is not, technic the, the Christian story is not technically true because it's poetry. It's poetry, and so, uh, you know, because it's poetry, it's, it's not history. Now, fact check, we're going to sit with intellectual integrity in this study. Fact check, Genesis 1 is not poetry. What? We've been told it's poetry. I mean, it has this nice flow and rhythm. Just because it has a rhythm doesn't mean it's poetry. I mean, it says day one, and then it ends with evening and morning. And then it says day two, and it says evening and morning. It's got a rhythm. It's got a vibe. It's got this, this, this really beautiful flow. Just because of the blue, beautiful flow doesn't mean it's poetry. It's not poetry. There's one verse in Genesis 1 that is poetry, verse 27, about God creating man and woman and in the image of God. There is, there is that verse in there. But just because there's rhythm doesn't make it poetry. You want an example? Uh, the most boring chapter in the Bible is, <laughs> I don't know, I think it's the most boring chapter in the Bible, but Numbers chapter 7. It has rhythm and it's dull, but it's history. And in Numbers chapter 7, you've got, okay, this leader of this tribe brought 12 gold plays, six vinking bowls, a gold thing, and a partridge and a pear tree, and you know, all this kind of thing. And, and it just goes on bringing his offering, and then it says, the leader of the tribe of Samantha did, brought this offering. 
Then day two, this uh, leader, and it goes through the same thing again, 12 times, and then as if that's not brutal enough, it sums it up for the 13th time, combining all the numbers together. It's really brutal, but it has repetition. It's not poetry. It has rhythm. It's not poetry. It's, it's, it's history. It's history. So again, there is no Hebrew parallelism in this. It is not poetry, even though it has a lot of beautiful aspects of chapter one. It's very brilliantly written. So just fact-checking, just fact-checking that. I, I do, though, have complete understanding and compassion by people who would look at science and look at the Bible and say, they can't both be true, and so I think science has proven that the Bible isn't true, so we're going to shift our understanding of the first chapters of the Bible, so it's, it's myth history or it's poetry, and it's technically not true. I, I understand why, why many people in this church would, would do that, and okay, it, it, it makes sense to me. Do we need to do that? Do we need to do that? The second thing that people in our church do and, and all over the West do is they, it's called the gap theory, and basically they insert billions of years of time between verse 1 of the Bible and verse 2 of the Bible. So uh, in Genesis 1, you're reading along, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, insert billions of years of time. Verse 2, now the earth, billions of years later, was formless and empty, and darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And, and it goes on from there. People, people putting in billions, billions of years. Now, again, it's, it's completely made up, right? Uh, there's no indication that you're, oh, yeah, we should put a billion years in there, or 13.8 billion years. It's made up, but we understand why, right? Because we understand, we understand why. It sounds good in a lot of ways, and it kind of helps us if we need to reconcile things. It can help us reconcile things together. It's done by Christians who want their, to be able to stand on their Bibles and also deal with the science in, in their way. Okay? So we, I can understand, but that that's happens in our church. Thirdly, there's the day-age theory, which, which in Genesis 1, we read how God created the earth in six days. And there's a, there's a lot of people who believe, okay, these aren't like 24-hour days. They are uh, representing millions of years, maybe even a billion years. Like, they, they are represent a long periods of time. And so they want to make a claim that, again, these are not six 24-hour days. Now, the, way that, the reason why they're doing that is to make the evolutionary theories that we're being taught fit with, with the Bible. We understand why it's being done. It makes sense to us. It doesn't seem weird that people are, uh, believe this, that people in our church believe this. I like, I'm going to show you a quote from someone who does not believe in a 24-hour creation day. The guy's name, PPT Pun, which is just full, you'd think there's got to be 100 jokes for that name. Uh, but PPT Pun published in the Journal of American Scientific Affiliation in 1987, he, 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 he writes this, and I love the intellectual honesty and integrity with which he's writing. He says, It is apparent that the most straightforward understanding of the Genesis record, without regard to all of the hermeneutical considerations suggested by science, if you take science out of it, is that God created the heavens and the earth in six solar days. Now, he does not believe that God created the heavens and the earth in six solar days, but he, he is admitting that if you are just reading the Bible, that's what, that's what it's saying. And it, unless you dump, put your science beliefs over it, 
that's the only reason why you're going to come up with some different thoughts, th- thoughts here. And I mean, I've heard it all. I've, I've heard all, well, the, the Hebrew day, word day, yom, that it, that it means, that it means, it can mean 24-hour day, it can mean wide version of time. Again, let's be intellectually honest here, like, how often does the word yom, especially numbered, like day one, day two, day three, day four, ever refer to something other than a 24-hour day? And then if you add into it sentences that are indicative of 24-hour days, there was evening and there was morning, day one. I mean, all, all the layers are, the Bible, if a straightforward look at the Bible is driving home this idea of a six twenty-four hour day, and I like that this guy who doesn't believe that is at least admitting that that's the straightforward read of the Bible. You, you you would need to come. You'd need to try and be merging science with it in order to try and come up with a different understanding, because the Bible does not point in that direction at all. So <laughs> we are going to be talking about this over the weeks ahead. And I want you to know that there is not a problem with the facts of science, and, and they're going to sit well together with the Bible. There is, a, there is issues with the theories of science that begin with there is no God, and so we had to get to this a different direction. There, there is a conflict of, of worldview stuff there, but what we're going to look at is the facts. The facts, the observable, the, the hard, concrete facts and say, do the facts prove the testimony of the Bible cannot be true as written? Now, in this room, again, like I keep saying, there's a wide variety of beliefs. And there's a lot of different things. And, and we are a family. And I, I totally understand all of the reasons why you would believe what you believe. And you might be, you don't understand. Well, I mean, I get, I get, I get it. I understand why people would, would cling to, or think about all of these views and, and honor that and hold to these different views. It makes sense to me. I, I love it that we care about um, intellectual integrity. I, I love it that we, we love the Bible and we, we're grappling with, with what is seen and known. I, I'm, I'm going to say as we go through this study, uh, I want to go through this study with peace, peace and joy as a journey together and if we don't come out in the same place at the end, fine, right? Fine. We're not starting in the same place. If we don't end in the same place, great. We survived the Revelation series as a church. And, and so I, I feel really good that we can grapple with this together and, and think through this stuff together and, and, um, and, and enjoy this journey. So my tact is, for this series, is with all intellectual honesty, we're going to look at the Bible. We're going to ask, what does the Bible say and then, has science proven that the straightforward understanding of the Bible, that God created the heavens and the earth about 6,026 years ago, in six 24-hour days, has science proven that that cannot be true as written? What I'm not going to prove, and I would say you can't prove, what I'm not out to prove is that God created the earth in six 24-hour days 6,026 years ago. I don't, I'm not out to prove that that is true. I am just out to show, is, is that testimony within the box of true facts? If you're going to prove that's true, then you would have to prove that there's no other intellectual possible explanation. I'm not going to go that far. I'm just going to see, 
Do we need to pivot? Do we need to adjust? Do the, do the facts prove this wrong? I hope, that, I hope that makes sense. But whatever your, your starting point is in this study, I hope you love this journey. I hope it gets your mind turning. I hope it gets you grappling with things. If you're like, no way, no way do I believe this. I'm like, yes, yeah, stick around and, and fact check everything. Study deeply everything that I'm going to say. I will love that. I genuinely honor everybody where you're all at in this journey. And, and this is great. Anyways, the straightforward testimony of the Bible is that. 6,026 years ago, six 24-hour days. On the, other, on the other corner, on the other side, the other side is something called naturalism. Naturalism, and this is what you know. You know this very well. Naturalism is the theory, it's the philosophy, it's the belief system that everything that we see, everything exists, came about naturally. Without God, without nudges, without anything supernatural, it has come, across, come about naturally, and nature is all that there is. Like, that's, that's naturalism. So starting in the 1600s and the 1700s, before we knew much about geography or geology, Geology, get those confused. Before we knew about geology, before we knew anything about microbiology, before we knew much about astronomy, before we knew much about a, a lot of these sciences, uh, the, the thinkers of the day, the philosophers of the day, decided to try, see what would happen if you put a different interpretive view over science. W what would happen if we assume that there's no God, and how could we get here naturally with nothing supernatural? And so in order for that to work, they, they had to come up with this concept of deep time, really long period of time for chance to do its, its, its work over time. Uh, this deep time that, that things, you know, the universe is about 13.8 billion years. Earth is about 4.543 billion years. Now, you're like, why don't they just keep pushing it back? Well, because you do have science that holds it from indefinite. Because things degrade, and so you can't push it back so far, otherwise it just becomes too absurd at, at some level. So they're kind of limited in, in some of these numbers. But, but they, uh, they need time if there's no God for chance to do its work. Okay, so they add that. And then secondly, there's this thing called uniformitarianism. Spell that three times, right? I couldn't. I couldn't spell it once. Okay, uniformitarianism, which means that things happen, they changed, have changed slowly, uh, and, and consistently over time. In order for uniformitarianism to work, you, had to get you have to get rid of the creator God or anything supernatural that can interfere in the processes, but you also have to get rid of the global worldwide flood. Because if there is a global worldwide flood, as the Bible describes, it messes up everything on planet Earth connected to how we date things, how we, how we assess time, how we understand the rocks, the soils, the fossils, everything. So they have to get rid of this, this cataclysmic global event. They could keep a local event, like maybe an, an eruption of a volcano or maybe a meteor a strike in a, in a regional area, but there can't be anything global and cataclysmic for, for, that, for that to work. So again, you have these beliefs and these theories that that started before we knew anything about uh, biology and, and, ast and astronomy. And I want you to know that these theories uh, and premises are not derived from scientific observation. They predate most uh, of the significant scientific observations in the last, say, 300, 400 years. 
these are, these are made-up premises so that we can have a different way to try and interpret the reality that we see. So in our study, we're going to just peel back the facts. We're going to peel back to the facts. We're, gonna, we're not going to worry about establishing any particular model. We're just going to peel back to the facts, and we're going to see if the facts of science prove the Bible wrong as written. Or does the Bible sit comfortably with the facts of science, not necessarily the interpretations that have, have come to us? When I was a teenager, not too long ago, I guess, I guess... I wrestled with this stuff a lot, just like everybody does, and really troubled by, you know, evolution and, and, and time and, and all of that. And, and back in that, in that time, I, I settled in my heart on Hebrews 11.3. And Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen is made from things that are not visible. And that's fine. It's simple. It's, it's quite simplistic. I needed that back then to calm my heart because I wasn't able to grapple with all the science back then as a teenager. I wasn't able to look at it. And so that was kind of my coping mechanism for, for dealing with these, these apparent uh, impossible contradictions. And I, think, I think I'm not alone. I think a lot of us have made coping mechanisms. How do we, how do we stand in the tension of, of all of this with the scientific voices and the scientific evidences and the bombardments? Well, hopefully during this series, we can just, we can look intently at something that maybe we don't look intently at very much. And together we can look at the facts and we can see, oh, you know what? Science isn't as scary as we thought it was. I love science. Facts are facts, right? Facts are facts. And, and there, there's, there's good news ahead. When the, Bible, when the Bible begins with these words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, I believe we're going to find that this is the best explanation and the best view to understand the facts of science that we see all over our planet and all over this spectacular universe. So, huh. That's our challenge. Now, our challenge for today is going to help me, and it's going to help all of us, and we're going to do it right now. If you have your phones, take out your phone, and I'll take this survey. It's one question. You can do it, people. And, and basically, all I want to know, I mean, before this message started, what was, your, what was your starting point in this series? What is your starting views? Again, I can understand why you would hold any of these views. What, what, and, and these are anonymous. I won't even know. I, I, I won't know. Oh, man. Yeah, I won't know. So just, this would be great. Can you imagine how helpful this will be to get all the locations and, and the people online to be able to just tune in and so I can see, okay, what is the context of, that we're teaching this, this in? Thank you. Just be honest. This is going to be an era of it's safe to be honest in, in, this, in this church. It's safe to be honest. It's safe to have different views and different feelings. I want to pray for us as a church here as we get ready to, to go through this, this apologetics-oriented season. Uh, God, I praise you for the way that you've set up scientific laws in our universe, on our planet. 
I, I, I thank you for giving us minds capable of grappling at this level, thinking about these kinds of things. Thank you for not making us uh, dull or, or unable to comprehend some of this stuff. Thank you for allowing us uh, in, intelligence that will allow us to grapple with these things in, in good ways. Jesus, I pray for your peace over our church, your joy over our church, your, your, um, your goodness, your favor over our church. And God, I just pray that this would be an era that we would take a step forward together as a people uh, in love with you, in love with your word, and, and more solid in, in our faith, more solid in our faith. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.